Welcome to Season 8 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership learning. Passionate about leadership education? You want to expand your resource toolbox with practical teaching, learning, and program design strategies? This is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Van Jenkins, Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And I am Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University. And in our eighth season of the Leadership Educator Podcast, we awesomely get to focus on research and scholarship in the field. It feels like it's been a long time coming, right, Dan? Oh, we've been waiting for this season since we started. (laughs) (laughs) So we're asking asking the question, where do leadership educators go for research? Um, We all talk to journal editors, um, those who manage publications for practitioners, We'll talk to scholars, we'll talk to reviewers, trying to paint this holistic picture of what research and scholarship for leadership educators looks like. Um, today, we are joined by co-editors, Dr. Carrie Ann Crown, Associate Professor at Widener University, and Dr. Gordon Schmidt, Professor of Management and Director of the David and Sharon Turrentine School of Management at the University of Louisiana, Monroe. Um, Both work on and lead uh, the team at the Management Teaching Review. They'll share their insights on their focus with the journal, what makes a great article, what trends they see in submissions and publications, and we'll also talk a little bit about the editing processes and, and what authors should remember. So first, welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you for having me. I'm so looking forward to talking with you guys today. Oh, we are as well. But welcome back to the show, Gordon. Great to be here again. Yeah, we loved <laughs> having you talk about your Marvel leadership book. I have since yeah. read it completely. Oh, really? Plugging it endlessly. So if there's an uptick, send me. We um, should do a reactions video to the book. That's that's the next podcast. Season nine reactions to the Marvel book. Let me tell Dan, you. Get... Come on, you're on board with this, right? Oh, totally on board. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the first in line for sure, especially because in the since the last time we talked to you, uh, the Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie came out. We released that episode the same week as the movie released. And yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure that there's been some updates since then. But thank you all. We're happy to have you all today. Yeah, I'm excited to, to dive in and, and great to have you back on, um, Gordon. And so I'm curious. So one of the things that's always interesting is, you know, the the journey to, you know, some of us are like, gosh, I never thought I'd be in academia. And then all of a sudden we get to a point where, wow, now I'm editing an academic journal. So I'm curious for, for both of you all, what, what's kind of that origin story, both of like, how did you get into your role with, I guess, as a management educator? And then also um, how did, what was that journey like from that role into your current role at the management teaching review? Yeah. Yeah. Management educator. Um, so, you know, I've, I don't want to repeat anything from last time I was here. So I'll try, I'll try not to talk too much about Marvel at least. That would be an overlap. Um, but management teaching wise, um, you know, I've, I've got my PhD in industrial organizational psychology from Michigan State um, and got involved. You know, my first job at Purdue Fort Wayne was organizational leadership, teaching about leadership and HR. Uh, and just through that, kind of got involved with the management and organizational behavior teaching society. And really started to associate more with this idea of management education and what is, what 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 is that? Um, you know, I think it's kind of interesting. We get trained and then we sort of 
can become more identified with parts of that. And I was sort of a weird field with 50% of graduates that are going to teaching end up in management, 50% in psych. And it's sort of a weird, where, where did you end up? What's going on? Was it a choice or did you kind of float there? Um, but definitely just learning more about management education field. I, I got a lot in, I got very interested in it. It wasn't something my graduate program at IO, they weren't caring about management education. They didn't talk about regular education as much. It was research, right? Um, and so it was kind of exciting to find as I was teaching that there is all this publications, there's all this stuff on it. There's all this interest in this, the teaching side um, that you know I, I care about. Um, and so that kind of got me into this looking and teaching, trying to understand it better, publishing if I figured out something of interest that other people thought was interesting, because sometimes they didn't. <laughs> you know how publications go. <laughs> Submit a great thing, and they're like, we hate this. You're like, all right, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the overhaul. That's the story into management education. Um, did you want as well into the MTR in particular? Or? Yeah, how did that, how did that oh. land in your lap? <laughs> well, I think it was mostly just uh, with this. This was a journal that um, I'd heard about as part of it's, you know, it started around 2016, I think was our first issue. And it was sort of this idea of a journal that's focused on the short 2000 word topically targeted things. It's not a big write a million words of, uh, you know, literature review. It's here's a cool thing I did. Here's how you do it. Um, and you could just use this right away in your classroom. Uh, and to me, that was really exciting as a concept, really, of just being very practical focused. I'm very practical overall and very teaching focused, which I cared about. And so as a journal, you know, I published, I had an article published in the first, the first year that it was out. It was submitted before the journal even came out um, and all of that. And I got another one in there later on. And so when this editorship kind of came up, it was kind of like, well, I like this journal. I like the goals of it. And I was encouraged <laughs> by others to be like, hey, maybe you should think about this. And I was like, really? <laughs> like I've reviewed for 20 journals or whatever, but am I qualified? Um, but apparently I'm qualified enough to <laughs> get selected for this. Um, but it's a weird thing. Yeah, you just go from being a reviewer you know, helping a little bit an action editor. And then what's that next step? It's kind of interesting because it's not, it's not clear to me. There's no real clear path, I guess, unless you move up in that same journal, almost like you're getting promoted up the chain. Um, and so that was kind of interesting to think of kind of going to a co-editor role um, when I don't, I never felt like I was the important person at the journal or anything or a reviewer. They, you know, they needed somebody to review that paper. That's all that I knew. <laughs> So thank you. Always interesting to hear folks, uh, like, like we said, our origin stories and kind of going back to, to the Marvel Universe stuff again, too. So, Carrie, what about you? What's your what's your origin story? How did you become one of the co-heroes of the uh, management teaching? <laughs> review? Uh, the lesser of the co-heroes, but I'll get into that. Um, but uh, I actually guess that everyone has a weird path, I guess, to where we end up. Um, I actually worked uh, in finance after my undergrad for a few years and thought, I wanted to go on for a PhD, um, initially looked at finance as the area I was good with math. So that seemed interesting. Um, but through exploring things, kind of landed at um, University of South Carolina for a little bit in a master's program where I 
was exposed to international management issues, uh, particularly the idea of repatriating employees. And to me, that was kind of fascinating, like studying that. Um, and at the time, there wasn't as much of that being researched. Um, so that kind of took on a special interest to me. And as I evolved uh, a little bit, I started to look at PhD programs that would be focused more in management areas and with an international slant to them. Uh, ended up landing at um, Temple University in their Fox School of Business. And <laughs> yay for Temple, go Owls. Um, and it was kind of a great experience. I got an opportunity to teach some classes there because of just the structure of the program, a little more so than probably others did. Um, I was encouraged by some colleagues I met at a conference to attend the doctoral institute at the management, oh, at the time it was the Organizational Behavior Teaching Society. The name has become the Management and Organizational Behavior Teaching Society. Uh, wasn't sure I really wanted to do that, to be honest, because I was unclear of this weird conference where you stay in these college dorms, if you're not familiar with the conference, and thought, well, I, I know I'm young and all, but that sounds a little odd, uh, but I'll give it a shot. And um, I, I kind of really fell in love with the group. I learned a lot about teaching there that you don't get from any most doctoral programs that you're in and connected with a lot of people at all different levels in their careers, which I thought was a great opportunity um, as a new uh, educator and scholar going into the field to, to meet people who were on all different stages of their career who were willing to mentor and help. So I became really actively involved in the group. Uh, I've had a few different stints on their board. When the um, role of co-editor kind of came up for management teaching review, I was actually sitting on, I was on the board already with Gordon in a different role. And it was kind of brought to me as a potential idea be, uh, in conjunction with Gordon because I had also, through connections I'd made, been a, a co-editor of the organization management journal, which is through Eastern Academy of Management. So I had a little bit of experience there, but with MTR, I had, like Gordon on the early stages of the journal's development, submitted some papers because I really was passionate about some of these teaching things I was doing. I really thought they would be great articles that fit the scope of the journal. Um, so I had the opportunity to, to submit a, um, two um, sole authored ones that were things that I've been doing in the classroom for a while and felt they were a great outlet and even developed a co-authored one with a colleague when I heard something she was doing in the classroom that I thought was cool. I said, you know, you got to submit it here. So I think while uh, like Gordon, I hadn't done much more than review for MTR other and author some articles. Uh, the opportunity and the, the passion I felt about the journal and the fact that it was part of the society that really resonated with me and that uh, having known Gordon for, I guess, a couple of years at that point, because uh, we had known each other for a while and thought he'd be a great colleague to work with. Um, we decided to kind of, I guess, go in on this together and I became, you know, like I said, the, the lesser probably of the the two um, <laughs> two co-editors in some ways. Uh, I think I like Gordon is more of the superhero some days, um, but uh, I really have enjoyed the experience in working with Gordon and also helping authors kind of discover the journal and and work through their process to getting published in art. That sounds pretty interesting. So I, I feel like now I want to go back and read the 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 articles you found on repatriating employees. That just sounds so pretty, like sounds pretty cool. 
Uh, it also is is nice that y'all both published early on because there's so many folks who can't say that about the journal. And, and it feels like your early interest kind of translated into someone else seeing these things um, and saying, yep, we need them to lead in this space. Uh, can you share a little bit? So for those that may not have uh, checked out MTR, can you share a little bit about like the philosophy or direction? You talked a little bit about it, how it's very teacher focused and, and much about strategies and practice in the classroom. Can you share like a little bit about the philosophy, but then also talk about, you know, the skills and experience you need to kind of sustain that philosophy for the journal? Our journal really is focused on publishing things that can be readily used in the classroom. These are things where you open it up because you need a leadership activity in the classroom, you need a communication activity, and you can sort through what we have published and find things that could be used in your undergraduate or graduate class or even training programs at um, different um, you know, corporate trainings. And so the, the focus is really on succinct articles that um, touch on um, areas of management, education in some form. Um, specifically, we do have five sections. The experiential exercises is the one that generally gets the most submissions. And that really is those in-classroom activities you're doing. Um, we also have um, format translations, which are if you did something um, in person and you're converting it to um, online, how would you change it? What would you do different? And does mimic some of the experiential um, exercise requirements too, as far as submissions go. Um, the other sections um, we have, the practice to research connections really are focused on, you know, things that you, um, first person narratives of what you do and uh, how you can connect that maybe to some sort of research stream. Then we have kind of the opposite end of that where you research to practice insights where we're looking at the ideas in research and how can we bring them into a practice into the classroom. Um, and then the last one is another one we get a, a fair amount of submissions on too, which I know um, resonates with uh, Gordon a lot too, is the resource reviews. When you're looking at things like you know podcasts or videos or materials or apps that people might want to use in their classroom in some way and having someone kind of review the, the benefits um, and, and maybe pitfalls of that particular a resource. You shared so many broad options for folks. Like, doesn't matter what the space is, whether it's undergrad, grad training. Um, there's some some teaching practices, strategies, things like that. It, it makes me think about, uh, you know, like that's part of the, philo the philosophical piece. Kind of what what sections are there? What about like your skill set and experience did you bring to the space so that you could kind of keep this going? And and also maybe think about ways in which the magazine needed, not mag, I'm sorry. Think about the ways in which the journal needed to pivot. Well, to me, you know, part of the journal is really about providing these things and making sure people feel welcome, that they want to come to this journal, that they want to read the stuff, that they want to share their ideas. Uh, and so, you know, this sort of idea, this journal kind of comes from the very start of, you know, organizational labor teaching society. Um, and so it sort of started with a newsletter where people would say, hey, I did this cool thing. You should do it, too. Uh, and that became the first journal of the Society of Journal Management Education. Uh, the Journal of Management Education has become a very good journal. It's a hard journal to get into. It's very rigorous. And that's great for the society. It's great for the journal. 
but it also means it's not, hey, here's this cool thing. It's, hey, here's rigorous evidence of this cool thing that is very well supported by literature. Uh, and so uh, th there was, you know, at the time in 2015, when they were thinking about this, it was like, we need something for these cool ideas. Uh, we want something that fits with uh, the society's focus on collaboration, on sort of coming, you see something cool, you want to, um, and at least, at least to our mind, the, the journal could do that better. Uh, the journal wasn't, for, to our belief at least, was not connected well enough with that society's goal and was a little, was, could, could have been a more collaborative, uh, more developmental focus. And so that's kind of something we bring from an intent perspective is that we really want you to come here and even if your paper gets rejected, you feel that you gain something from it, that you still care about the journal, that you still think it's helpful, um, and that you feel like you can come to us with your idea and we'll help you there. And you're improved by the journal as opposed to, I, I don't know how you all feel, but journals are, are often, you know, very frustrating things to get involved in with your paper, right? You come up with something you care about, you send it in and they're like, I don't know what idiot wrote this, right? This don't, don't send me this garbage again. Or, you know, it takes, it takes a year to find that somebody didn't read it correctly. Uh, and so really to us, we want the journal as much as possible within the constraints of the world and getting reviewers and everything else to give you an experience that is accurate for what you're doing, that get, helps you to do that and that you want to submit your stuff, right? And that these things are then used to make things better. Uh, and so, you know, that's what we've tried to do with people build that thing, because I also think there's a lot of people out there that can contribute a lot that don't have a good space or may not feel their ideas are relevant. Um, and that, that's what I've seen a little bit. We, you know, we had somebody that submitted to the journal, we worked through, got published. Well, the second it gets accepted within a month, he submitted another paper, right? And so that paper is going through the process now. And I feel like that's exactly kind of how I want it to be for an author is like, okay, our paper is in. Cool. Let's do the next one. <laughs> right? And I, I think that's an awesome way to do it um, and to get people to contribute and feel like they're part of this team, part of what's going on. And that's what we've written in some of the editorials so far is we really want you to be part of Team MTR. Uh, we want you to understand how you could fit, because I think a lot of this stuff is confusing. Journals do it differently. Journals, you know, don't necessarily communicate that. Well, you wanted to get involved. It's sort of, there's an ar arm's length away to them often of, if, if you actually, if we like each other, that means there's probably something improper happening. So we're the cold thing that rejects you and destroys your dreams. That's what rigor is about. That's at least not how I feel. I don't think Kara feels that way either. But dealing with journals, it often feels like that is that is what rigor is. If if we don't care about you, that means we're a good journal sometimes. That's not the goal, I don't think, but that's how it, it feels to me at least. Maybe that's my own hang. <laughs> I'm sure it resonates with some of us. <laughs> well, just building on that real quick, I'm sure you have other questions, but one of the things I think Gordon and I were really talked about before applying for this co-editorship together was, um, we have a very positive experience when we go to the MOBTS conferences. We we find them very collaborative. We find that very developmental. You're in a session, you know, there's people shooting around different ideas of how they could make that activity better in the classroom or, 
if there's criticisms, it's constructive in such a way that you feel receptive of it and that we wanted that to bring that more to MTR. We want people to get that kind of feeling of the culture of the conference and, and match that with the um, process of their submissions and reviews and the feedback that they get. I think that was something really critical to um, us collaborating on doing this role together. Um, and I think skill-wise, I, I know I'm always learning and developing and, and MTR definitely has very specific submission requirements per section and authors, um, you know, we kind of guide authors through them to some points. Um, but we want to make sure that if they have a cool idea that they can structure it in a way that could end up being published in MTR. And if not MTR, then we're more than willing to try to direct them where we think it might be best suited. Yeah. The other thing I'll just add quickly is intentionality on this. So I don't think any journal really is like, hey, let's be a jerk to everyone. Or, and I, p- people volunteer their time, their effort, uh, and they, they care. Um, but it often can be that we don't think about that experience. Uh, and so, so to me, that's one thing Carrie and I really are trying to do is make sure that experience is good. Because everyone has good intentions, but can we help to make that better uh, in, in my mind? And how do we make these processes as good as they can? You're not always going to be happy with what the journal does. But how can we try to make it as good as possible for as many people? Uh, you know, it's not free publications for all or anything. It still, it still matters. It still has to fit the journal and what we're doing. But how can we make this feel collaborative and make people excited to submit here and excited to see the feedback they're going to get? Our great pool of reviewers, editorial board members, our associate editors. And how can we help those associates feel, feel kind of that tone and be thinking in that same direction? That's leadership, right? Leadership is all about trying to get everybody on the same path, thinking the way that fits with what we're doing. Uh, and so that's a big thing we've tried to do in this this other journal is just get us all in the same mindset as much as possible. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. And it's interesting to to learn about how it uh, the MTR kind of emerged or evolved out of like, you know, the newsletter and um, folks submitting, you know, cool ideas of, of uh, teaching activities or other types of learning experiences that they were doing in the classroom and looking to professionalize, but maybe formalize in some way, you know, some of those ideas in a more structured and, and academic way. <laughs> I don't know if I have a better way of, uh, of saying that. And it's interesting because I think about, talk to your colleagues that are editing the, the Journal of Management Education. We also have talked to some folks uh, or talked to the editor of the Journal of Leadership Education this season. And, and so it's interesting to, you know, some of these did come, a lot of the uh, journals actually that are teaching focus came out of these associations. And so it's, and it's so important because while some associations like MOBTS, it is, that's the mission and the vision of that organization. And so seeing that evolve into, into even something that's more accessible as a resource, because if you're not a member of MOBTS, you're not going to get the newsletter, right? But now it's, it's a journal, it's a sage journal. You can, you know, researchers can access it and uh, practitioners can access it. And that's one of the things I, I love about all of the publications of uh, of which the editors were having on uh, this season is it's and particularly for leadership educators who are listening to to this episode I mean there are so many really really awesome articles and and I love that experiential focus you know some of the articles are focused on like here's how you run this exercise like here's how you can use TikTok like as a teaching tool here's how you use kahoot as a teaching tool you know like and and 
and particularly in the context of something very, very similar to, you know, leadership and education are more alike than they are dissimilar, you know? And so um, I, I see a lot of, uh, there's just so many gems um, over the last six, seven years since this journal has has come out. And I can't wait for some of our listeners to to grab some some of the issues and some of the individual articles and and have some fun with that and with their research as well. I'm curious with that as it emerged out of the the newsletter into the journal and being associated with the with the society did, what what were some challenges maybe y'all faced stakeholders publishing process getting institutional support from the from where y'all were at when you became editors any anything interesting from from those journeys well i do think you know i think that's something with the journal that is is this research is it <laughs> Is it just some, is it like just a newsletter and who cares? Uh, and I think that that's one question I think with us too, is that taking the journal seriously, even if we want it to be a cool thing, even our activity, this still is something that, you know, should good, should count towards your tenure case. It's something that should count towards, you know, the accreditation stuff. Uh, and I think that that's kind of an interesting thing of how journals are set up and what they do, right? It's, if you reject a bunch of stuff, you must be good. You know, if everybody cites your things a million times, it must be good. We won't look too much into what those sites are. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're questionable you know, or whatever. You know, it's and so I think it's that's something I think we definitely are thinking about with it is how to because, you know, if somebody reads an exercise, they don't need to write an article that, hey, I read an, an exercise. Here's the citation you deserve. They just use the thing, right? And that's something I think we definitely have with with our articles is there's a lot more reach from people doing stuff or reading it than from they cited it. Because yeah, you don't write an article, I did an exercise in that way. Uh, and so that that's something as well that I think is, is a struggle. How do we define the impact of the journal? How do we show it? You know, and that, you know, I think with a lot of that stuff in terms of support, I just sort you know, I, I, I think it's true for Carrie as well in terms of university. We just do the stuff. <laughs> we don't ask for that much help. We're we're in there do, doing all the nitty gritty uh, and all of that. Um, and I think that that's something that's possible with our current level. I think if we got double the submissions, we'd start have a lot more issues of you know being kind of two man band plus plus AEs plus reviewer. Um, and I think that scaling is something journals have to look at over time. And just to add on that a little bit too, um, I think institutional support um, in some ways, um, you know, it might not be, it's defined differently for different roles that you take. My, you know, there's, my university doesn't provide course releases or anything like that for this role. Some places would. However, they're very much in support of the philosophy behind this kind of journal. I'm at a smaller university teacher scholarship, a teacher and um, scholarship opportunities. Uh, they want that balance of teacher scholar. Sorry, quite say that right. Um, and so the fact that I published in this journal did count for something in my role at my university. Uh, if you're at a different university, maybe it doesn't count. But many of our universities um, throughout the United States do have this balance of teaching and research and want teachers who do high impact practices. And so when you can publish some of those, while they might not get the citations that a um, discipline-based article would get, 
you can show things like downloads, the number of downloads that it has shows that people are reading it and probably using it, or at least a significant number are using it. So I think some of that um, support also uh, depends on what resources your university has available to provide support for those things. Um, as far as the, the beginnings of the journal, I know that from just different periods on the board, the idea of this journal was proposed at one point, or similar type journal proposed at one point. It didn't quite make it into fruition at that time, but a few years later, you know, MTR did come into fruition. So I think the society has kind of had an interest in it for a while before it could actually get into publication. And I think having JME, um, Journal of Management Education, as really having that solid foundation in the um, research, ed education research community helped us to kind of build onto that relationship. And this fact, the society itself is a 50-year-old society. It's a well-established group. It has a history to it, obviously shows kind of evolution and how they have adjusted to the times by now having two journals um, has been very helpful in establishing us, even though we're relatively new and we might not have the citations and all the, the box checked off for that research journals do we have an established um, uh, society as well as we're also in a lot of the different databases you can find us um, because we're a sage journal, a well-accepted uh, publish, publisher. It, it feels like the, the makings are definitely there. It's, it's, uh, it, it also feels like it's nice to have this space for community in practice. So, so often, you know, Gordon, you alluded to it. So often we talk about like the citations without really thinking about kind of how the scholarship is impacting the field. And just because someone looks at it and cites it for something, you know, it, it it's wonderful. And there's also the big challenge of how are we teaching students in the way that the students are changing? meaning the, the content isn't, isn't changing as much as the need for activities or introducing it in a new fashion or coming up with a new twist on how you integrate, you know, the, the content into your classroom. Um, you know, I, I think it was, was it Beloit that used to do the, this year, this is what this year's freshman class looks like. And they had the list of characteristics. Well, one of the bigger things is the, the integration of technology in our teaching, and as well as the amount of, how are we able to do things physically with some of this material? I know my students still want a little lecturing, but in the class somewhere, they want to be able to practice or apply or do something. And, and that isn't going away. And we'll need like spaces like this to get ideas from and to generate conversation and to share the good things that we do in our own classroom. So it, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing that it exists. Um, do you all have any like stories or like have you heard from others uh, about how the journal has been used in practice. I'm sure people come up to you at the conference and say, oh my gosh, I use this technique in this classroom. Like, you know, is there a really good story y'all have for us? Uh, mostly what I've heard is, you know, I, I use that exercise. We always do it. Here's a modification of it. Uh, and we do that in the journal too, is, you know, we have variations and multiple materials. And so it's very easy to say, this, this works 90% of what I need. And here's the 10%. I'm going to add on or do. Uh, and that's something we certainly have talked about as well is that sort of space for modifications or changes or people did it this way. Like it'd be really interesting to format translate something that's been in the journal before, right? And those types of things. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think, like, I don't have a super exciting story on it, but it's mostly been, yeah, people, people saying, oh, yeah, I use this or 
this tool, this tool is valuable for me. Um, we were just talking to Stuart Middleton. He was talking about that they're interviewing him on the TikTok article that he wrote. <laughs> you know, he, he's doing an interview on it because they think that sounds like a use. Uh, and because that's the other thing I think we don't focus as much on, but I'm, I'm as thrilled for our articles and things to be used in practice outside of the classroom in training situations, leadership development programs. I think that's fantastic if our teaching methods and these ideas that work then work in other areas too. K through 12 would be awesome for some of this stuff. Some of the stuff we use would be great uh, in those types of areas too. And so that application even beyond the college classroom. Yeah, and just to reiterate what Gordon said, I don't think I have a really great story other than people coming up to us, mostly when we see them at the conferences too, and say, oh, that was such a cool exercise I saw in, in MTRO. That, and, and that kind of informal you note know, like about using it and so forth. Um, I think that is, is very powerful. You know? And again, it's not very formalized. You don't always get to you know, record the number of that compliments that people got uh, on their article. But hearing people say that, you know, that we're, we're publishing kind of cool stuff that they like doing in the classroom is, is really resonates with me well. Yeah. No, I love those stories. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's why we come to these conferences and why we, you know, if we're engaged and excited and passionate about the scholarship of teaching and learning, it's, it's so great when there are forums and publications uh, like MTR and uh, Journal Management Education, Journal Leadership Education, you know, and and just this these communities of practice that it that it creates because uh, folks like us we get excited about the pedagogy, you know, and that you don't always see that from uh, from some of our colleagues, right? And so as you know, just like as you were kind of comparing the uh, some some types of journals to others um, and their uh, editorial boards or, or processes or what have you, I think you know we've got different kinds of kinds of folks in uh, academia as well. So you know, I, I love what y'all have shared really paints a great picture of, of what um, MTR has to offer. Um, I guess kind of two things that anything else we didn't ask you that you, that you want to share. And I'd love for y'all to plug whatever you want about, about MTR folks that might be interested in submitting an article, um, maybe what y'all are looking for, things that they can be mindful of. Great. Yeah. So just, you know, I just want to make clear, reach out to us if you've got ideas or questions or you're not sure. Um, you know, if you're submitting the journal, you know, definitely read it's kind of like read the syllabus, right? Or the assignment sheet, like read, read the guidelines for your section. Cause that's what we'll often find is somebody will submit something and it doesn't fit that section or they didn't include something that they need like debrief or, or that type of thing. Um, and so, you know, th there's some things that will get you in trouble right away. Uh, and Karen, I've done that quite a bit with people. If you don't submit a debrief, well, we'll say, we unsubmitted your paper. Here's the part about the debrief. Yeah, so we're sending emails. We're like, here, you need the debrief. You need this. You need. Uh, and so, yeah, that's what I, I would definitely suggest that. Just make sure you understand that if you've got the sections, that allows us to see it and allows the reviewers and they sort of judge it based on its merits, not based on why is it missing this necessary thing or why is this in a strange way. The, those are the things that I would overall say, you know, that's that, that that's the case. Uh, you know, we do present on the journal at various conferences. Um, we are available to do things like we've done some Zooms for colleges, uh, various departments. We've talked about the journal there, too. Uh, and so if it's helpful to you to talk to your, you know, your colloquium for teaching related to the journal, we're, we're here for you. We'd be happy to Zoom. Uh, if your location is exciting, you want to fly us out and pay us money, 
Like, I'll say yes, at least. I can't speak for Carrie. Um, but feel free to do that <laughs> if you would like. Uh, but we, we with the Zoom era, it's easy to just zoom in and talk about something at that time. Gordon, Gordon, I feel like you'd go to the University of Hawaii if they needed you to come out and talk. Practice. I'm, re- I'm ready. I'll pack my bags tomorrow. Probably won't tell my wife until I'm on the plane since we've got her one year old and it's a lot of work. <laughs> so she'd prefer me zooming out versus uh, being gone for a while. <laughs> or she's coming. If you pay for her, she'll probably be. <laughs> Dimitri, that long in the air, I don't know. Yeah, we, we, we drove with him and for four hours he slept and then two hours he, he screamed. Um, so I don't know. Four hours is about what works for him. We don't know on a plane though yet. We'll, we'll, I'm willing to try if you're in Hawaii. Uh, reach out. <laughs> Take the risk. Take the risk. <laughs> yeah, just to tack on to what Gordon said. I mean, that the we love hearing the different ideas that people might have for submitting to the journal. And, you know, sometimes it's because it's a different structure and different writing style than some other discipline-based ones. They you know, need a little more guidance and we encourage you to, to reach out. Um, as you said, you know, reading the guidelines, um, you know, the, the word count is uh, very tight, although it doesn't include your references, appendices, tables, things like that, but it's, it's a succinct 2000 words of the main document. And that's very different than what I think a lot of people are used to in that world of publishing in your discipline. Um, but I think you know, we have a lot of different things that Gordon and I have talked about. Um, we've been working through to try to do some things for the journal. We're hoping to possibly have a call for a special issue editors to come out in the next uh, several weeks. So people were looking at um, editing a special issue on a particular topic. We're looking for proposals for that. So that hopefully will be out in the works uh, soon. We're trying to you know, not overlap with some of the different conference submission deadlines and so forth. Um, but we have some great different things we want to do. And if you're obviously interested in re- reviewing for us, um, as well as submitting, you know, reach out, we can sign up to be a reviewer. And that gives you kind of that insight into what types of things are submitted and how the, the that process works. I know that we, we didn't get into it today, but are there certain things you look for for your reviewers or expectations you have? Can you talk a little bit about that community that you have um, already? Uh, well, one, make sure you put your keywords in. <laughs> We've got people with no keywords. They never get a paper because uh, you have no idea. Um, so I suggest put the keywords in. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, making sure it's clear in that. Uh, we do. We started a list of sort of, I was going to say preferred reviewers, but we made it sort of interested reviewers. So if you're interested in reviewing papers for us, sign up in Scholar One, but also just shoot me an email and say, hey, I'd like to review for the journal. Uh, and uh, so in that, that sharing that list with people and having those people get an opportunity. Again, those people might not be a good reviewer, but if they get a chance and then we see if they're a good reviewer, it gets you in the foot, foot in the door a little bit. Uh, so definitely let us know if that's... You know, you, you really want to do more of that. And then if we get a, if you send you a review, do a good job. <laughs> if you do a bad job, then we're like, you're off the list of, <laughs> of interested reviewers. We're not as interested in you as you are in us. Um, so, I, so yeah, I would, I would say that just, just let us, let us know with that too. So yeah, people that ask me like, all right, sure. Well, uh, we'll put you on the list. So <laughs> and just to kind of emphasize what Gordon means by like good reviewer is, you also, as a reviewer, have to understand our sections and our requirements and so forth. And 
if you're reviewing for a particular section, make sure you, you know, and it doesn't take much to review the website submission guidelines. You know, if this is a format translation, what is it supposed to have in it, in that body? Um, and obviously your individual in our field has some background in whatever uh, discipline area th they are involved in. Hopefully we're able to match that up pretty well. So you have that understanding, but really we're looking at people who can evaluate these sort of teaching activities. And if we're, if you're an instructor and you've been in the classroom and, and dealt with that, you have some understanding of that too. Um, so just kind of matching them up. And it, it, it helps sometimes our, our associate editors to help give some guidance also in those areas uh, as you develop your review. And you can see also the feedback from the other reviewer that they provided to that author. So get kind of a sense of the process and you know, it's not just a, wow, that was a great paper. And that's your review kind of uh, situation where you need to be constructive and helpful. Both of those make it pretty clear. Well, we um, know that y'all have some limited time. So we're grateful for you spending your time talking with us about the management teaching review. We also know MB MOBTS is celebrating 50 years in Jacksonville this year. So we'll make sure we put that in our show notes to encourage folks if they are new to the um, organization to make sure to put it on their list of, of things to attend. They can meet y'all in person, talk in person, um, you know, meet some of your uh, reviewers, also your, um, those that are submitting, you know, the authors in the, the journal for sure at these events, which is, is great. Um, it feels like from, from everybody we're talking to, they're looking to build these research communities and not just, you know, submit and make it transactional, but really kind of develop and, uh, ensure that, you know, the ideas that are shared are really coming to, to fruition and being published. And so it's great to see that in this space. Um, we thank you so much for your time again and wish you best of luck this year as you're leading the journal, as well as teaching service and research uh, at your campuses this semester. Thank you all so much. Thank Happy you for having Always us. Always fun to talk. Do you connect with leadership educators virtually? please follow us on social media. Search the Leadership Educator Podcast on LinkedIn to find our page. And find us on Twitter at Lead Educator Pod for episode release information, show notes, and upcoming events. You can connect with me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Leadership. And Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss Laura JB. You can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. We also encourage you to please subscribe at theleadershipeducator.com and rate us five stars as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. We'd like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in News Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matt White, trumpeter, composer, and associate professor and chair of jazz studies at the University of South Carolina. Check him out at mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, we are grateful for the support of two professional associations that are destinations for leadership educators the Association of Leadership Educators, and the International Leadership Association. ALE, which funded the start of the podcast, continues to promote our mission of continuing conversations with leadership professionals. Check out all that ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. 
The global reach of the ILA has helped us to expand our listenership beyond our original borders. Check out the ILA's programs and resources at ilaglobalnetwork.org.